titled Understanding the Sabbath. Understanding the Sabbath. And uh, I want to talk on this subject because there's a lot of people that have a misunderstanding about what we call the Sabbath day. And uh, I say a lot of people. I don't think it's a whole lot of people. Just a few here and there once in a while. Once in a while I'll hear about somebody going someplace else because they worship on the seventh day, which is Saturday. And they no longer feel like it's right to worship on Sunday, but they worship on Saturday. And uh, there are those who, and I heard one of our sisters that been with us for a little bit, and she uh, went to another church where they not, I know those are the Seventh-day Adventists, but there's other groups of people who simply just adopt the seventh day and say this is the day that we should have worship. What I want to try to do here to show you today in the Word of God, that worshiping it on Sunday and Sunday being the day that we come together to worship the Lord, and which is mostly most of Christianity, I want to show you how very Bible it is, very Bible, very scriptural, and how that the insistence on worshiping on the seventh day, the, the, what they call the Sabbath, the seventh day, is not necessarily, is not for the New Testament. It's neither, it's neither here nor there, really. And it's not an important factor. So I'm going to get right into this with you here today, and I'm going to talk to you and explain some things to you and show you how that we do observe the Sabbath. We do. We do. We who are God's people, Christian people, we do observe the Sabbath. And if you look at number one that we have here on your lesson here, the word Sabbath means rest. That's what the word Sabbath means. In Israel, they pronounce Sabbath Sabbat. S-A-B-O-T is the way they pronounce it. It's spelled like Sabbath, but they pronounce it Sabbat. The H is silent with them. But... Uh, and it simply means rest. It means rest. That's what it means, the Sabbath. So I'm going to get right into this. I'm not being, any, not being critical uh, about any denomination or anybody else that follows uh, their insistence on worshiping. But I think you and I need to know what the truth is about the Word of God so that somebody can't tell you or me uh, you should be worshiping on the seventh day. And uh, because you're worshiping it on Sunday, which is the first day of the week, uh, it's wrong. It's not wrong at all. I'm going to show you all of that in the scripture, and I'm going to take part by part. I want you to look at number two here. This is a very important set of scriptures I'm going to read to you. Number two, and this is where that they get the meaning that we have to worship on the Sabbath only. In the Old Testament, our Moses' law, the Sabbath was held on the seventh day as the day of rest. Notice that. It was the day of rest. And I want you to turn in your Bibles. I'm going to read these to you. Exodus 20 and 8. Exodus 20 and 8. And this is actually part of the Ten Commandments that the Lord gave to Israel through Moses. And the Ten Commandments in your Bible is listed in Exodus chapter 20. Also Deuteronomy chapter 5. They list all the Ten Commandments, and uh, this is what it has to say about the uh, the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is the fourth of the Ten Commandments. It's the fourth day. Look at it very closely here now. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. 
In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy handmaid's nor thy maiden servants, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. He hallowed it. Now, reading these verses of scripture here to show you where that the seventh day people will get their instructions like, you know what? We gotta, we got to keep the seventh day as the day of worship. Now, I'm going to move on a little bit further here. Also in your scripture there, if you'll notice, it also uh, has uh, the, uh, the next portion there. It's 23.12. 23.12. So if you look in uh, Exodus 23.12. And I'm turning it there now. Okay. Six days thou shalt do thy work, and on the seventh day thou shalt rest, that thine ox and thy donkey may rest and the son of thy handmaid and the stranger may be refreshed. I'm just showing you here in the scripture that it states that they were to keep the Sabbath under the law here this mentioned and this mentioned here in the book of Exodus. Now, I want to go further about it because I want you to understand here why this was given in the law, why it was given to Israel. Look at number three here. I move down very quickly here. Number three. And this is what we're reading here. This uh, commandment of keeping the Sabbath on the seventh day was for Israel only. Notice that what I'm saying here. It was for Israel only. This is why that is confined to the Old Testament. And I'm going to give you verses of scripture here and there are others as well. But I'm going to give you these few and uh, I want you to look with me, if you would, in Exodus 31, 13, 31, 13. If you look at this passage of scripture, I'll start reading verse 12. I'll read in verse 12 here. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbaths ye shall keep. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. Dropping down to verse 16, reading 16 and 17 down, just a few verses on down. Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. This is uh, something that God gave to Israel, and it is for God and Israel, and it's between the two of them. For in the six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day rested and was refreshed. So what I'm pointing out simply here to you by a couple of scriptures is that it was given to Israel as a nation, and it was a covenant God made between Israel and himself, between him and himself, that this was made. Now, I'm going to number four here. I'm moving very fast, but uh, I've got a lot of things to show you here. Look at number four here, if you would. In the New Testament, the early church observed the first day of the week, 
as the Lord's day because Jesus rose from the dead on the first day. And I'm going to show you this in a few moments here that the early church, that is the apostles in the early church in the New Testament, they never observed the Sabbath. They observed the first day of the week. That was their observance. And uh, I'm going to move on a little further here that they, the early church observed the first day of the week as the Lord's day because Christ rose from the dead. Look at Luke 24.1 for a moment. Luke 24.1. I skipped a verse in Ezekiel there. I missed that one. One over here in Ezekiel 20.12. It also says that it was, let me just read that, and I'm gonna, then I'll go to Luke 24.12. In 2010 uh, of, uh, of, of, of Ezekiel, wherefore I caused them to go forth out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. And I gave them my statutes and showed them my judgments, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. This was God talking about Israel now and giving this word to Ezekiel, who was a prophet to the Israelites. Verse 12. Moreover, also I gave them my Sabbaths, that is to Israel to be a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctified them. So this is another verse of scripture that uh, simply substantiates what we just talked about. Now, going back to number four here, and I want you to look in Luke 24, one with me, if you would, please. Look in Luke 24, one. Now, upon this is something all of you know, it's very common knowledge, so I'm not giving you anything you don't know already. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher. They, who was the they? All right, I'm backing it up to 2355. 2355 spells out whose it is. And the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after and beheld the sepulcher where they had laid, where, where his body had been laid. Now I'm going back to 24.1. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they, the women, came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the, uh, the sepulcher and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And uh, they found these two men there and they were angels, of course. Verse six, he is not here, but is, is risen. He's not here, but risen. And of course, you know the story. All the Gospels carry this about the resurrection of Christ. I want to digress here for just a moment. Stay with me. I want to tell you about something that happened to me one time in Israel. I was in Israel, and I've been over there three times. Very interesting place to visit. And the last time I was there, seven years ago, I went to the Holy Sepulchre where Jesus was buried and he rose again. I went to this place. There was a line like from here to that uh, sound booth back there. And you had to get in line to go up the steps to get in through the cave door where a stone would roll back. And you go inside and there's a little small room that's about big enough for about four or five, maybe four people to stand around. And then there is a shelf area off to the right 
uh, when you go in where the, the, the casket and everything would, would be laid, the body of the person who was buried would be laid there. And uh, this was the sepulcher. It was, it, was, it, was Ar- it was Joseph of Arimathea's private sepulcher, and he gave it to Jesus when Jesus was crucified, and Jesus gave it back to him. Did you hear what I said? Jesus gave it back to him. Remember this. Anything you give Jesus, he'll give it back to you. <laughs> Probably more with it. But anyhow, Joseph Armathia gave it up, and he gave it back to Joseph Armathia. Of course, it was more sacred then. Now, I got in that line, this is like seven years ago, and I wanted to go into the sepulcher. I'd been in there once before, a couple of years before that, when I was there. But I want to go in again. And there are people coming and going. You have to understand, people get up to the door. They start snapping pictures. They take pictures before they go in. And then some of them take pictures as they go in. There's people coming in, going in, people coming out. And there's always people inside the sepulcher. And I watched it, and I watched it. And ironically, and I don't know how this happened or why it happened, but it happened to me. I went up the steps. And I went in the door, and the people that were going to go in ahead of me stepped to one side and were taking pictures outside. The people inside had come out, and I walked in, and I was the only one inside the sepulcher, the only one. And I said, for, I mean, this is like for 30 seconds, folks, or for less than a minute. I stepped inside, and I thought, oh, what a... What a wonderful privilege it is just to be in here. And I'm just going to worship the Lord and glorify the name of the Lord. Now, I had gone down to the wailing wall and prayed. You put on a little skull cap and you walk down there. That's where they stick notes, you know, in between the stones and everything like that. And I went down there and just, I'd done it every time I've gone. I've always gone down to the wailing wall and say a word of prayer. But this time on this last journey, I had gone to the Wailing Wall. This had happened to me two or three days before the sepulcher experience. I went down to that Wailing Wall, and I got down there, and I lifted my hands, and I worshiped the Lord, and I felt the presence of the Lord. And I said, wow, wow, this is something. I feel the presence of the Lord praying here at this Wailing Wall. And, you know, it, was just, it just came all over me, you know. And I, if I'd have kept praying long enough and hard enough, I'd been talking in tongues. Next thing you know, it was just there. You know what I'm talking about, you that are saved. And then a, a day or so later, we were in what's called the upper room. This is where the Holy Ghost was supposed to have fallen the first time. And it was there, and the, uh, there was a group of uh, Hispanics. I don't know what particular country they were from, South America or someplace. But they were having a little church service over there, and they were Pentecostal, apparently. And they were praising, singing songs and worshiping. And I walked over there close to where they were. And, man, I could feel the Holy Ghost, and I lifted my hands, and I was worshiping the Lord, and they were singing worship songs, and I could just feel the Holy Ghost. So when I got into that sepulcher, I said, wow, I'm in the sepulcher here, and I lifted my hands, and I started praising the Lord, and I didn't feel nothing. It was empty. I felt it at the wailing wall. I felt it in the upper room, but I don't feel it in the sepulcher. And finally, people started coming in, and I went out, and I was baffled. Of all places you would feel the presence of God, it would be that sepulcher. And then after that, we went to a place in that little 
area where we were to have communion. And I kept saying, God, why didn't I? I said, and I started praying about it just to myself. Jesus, why didn't I not feel your presence in the sepulcher? We went in there, we got, got ready and was seated and having fixed to have communion. And I kept still. I said, God, why didn't I feel your presence in the sepulcher? And the Lord spoke to me and said, because I'm not there. Folks, just as plain, just like this word here said, he is not here. He is risen. He is not here. And the Lord let me say, you did not feel my presence there because I'm not there. And man, whenever it hit me like that, and the Lord, word of the Lord came to me like that, he, because the Lord spoke to my heart, just, just like if he had spoken to me audibly. So he spoke to my heart, said, because I am not there. Man, I said, yes, God, I understand. Praise the Lord. You know where he is, folks? He's in his people. That's where the presence of God dwells, in his people, in the form of the Holy Ghost, in the church, in the church. Not the building, but the people, God's people. And if you have the baptism of of his spirit inside of you, everything, we are a blessed people, praise the Lord. But I've never had a strange experience like that. And then the Lord speak to me so plainly and said, you did not feel my presence because I'm not there. And I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. He's not there. Amen. All right. I read this verse of scripture to show you that it was on the first day of the week. That was the primary purpose that we had. This is 24-1 of Luke. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning. Now, that first day of the week, because Jesus rose on the first day, came to be called the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. Now, I'm going to show you a couple other scriptures. Look at Acts 20 and 7. I'm giving you some scriptures here to strengthen and support the fact that we worship on Sunday and not on on Saturday. This is 20 and 7 of the book of Acts. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, that's what we just did. We just had communion. And in the Bible, that's called breaking of bread. And they would come together and they would have communion and and sometimes foot washing as well. But they have communion, especially that breaking of the bread. And that's what this has reference to. It's not talking about sitting down eating together. It's talking about them coming together and having communion. And other scriptures bear that out. I won't get into it, but over in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, for instance, it talks extensively about it, and I won't go go there tonight. But I just want you to notice here upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together, first day of the week is Sunday. Everybody say it would be Sunday. When the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them. Now, I'm going to move on a little bit further here. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians 16, 2. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. And uh, this is Paul writing here. Upon the first day of the week, that's Sunday, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. They were receiving an offering, a special love offering for the church in, uh, in Jerusalem because they had, gone, they had gone through a famine down there and they were having a hard time. And Paul was receiving a special love offering from these Gentile churches to send there to them. And uh, this is what that has reference to. So he says, on the first day of the week, uh, because that was whenever they all came together, you bring your offering the first day of the week. That was called the Lord's Day. And I'm going to go rep to rep one more scripture here, Revelations 110. 
Revelation 1.10, here's the next one. I was in the spirit of the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Now, this is John, and he's talking about the experience he had on the Isle of Patmos when he was given the book of Revelation from Jesus and from the angels there, and they revealed all this to him. And he simply says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I was in the spirit on in the in in the, the Isle of Patmos, what he's saying, on Sunday. That was the Lord's day on Sunday. And when all of this happened, all the heavens unfolded and God showed all to him. So I gave you three scriptures here where this was called the Lord's day. And then history all bears out as well. Church history and all that that early church always worshipped on Sunday because it was called the Lord's Day. That's the day they rose from the dead and everything. Now, let me go a little bit further here. I'm going to go to number five here. Number five. Sunday, the Lord's Day, was not established by the early Christians as a Sabbath day. Everybody with me on that? It was not established as a Sabbath it was not given or taken to be like we. this is going to replace the Sabbath. The seventh day is a Sabbath. It says that this was given by the Christians uh, not as a Sabbath day, which was day of rest, but as a day of worship. So the Christians began to use the first day of the week as a day of worship, not a day of Sabbath. And later on, I'll show you why. I'll show you why it had nothing to do with the Sabbath. But they said this is a day of worship. So that whenever we come together on Sunday, Sunday is not our day of rest. It's not our day of rest. Don't say, well, the day is Sunday and the day I'm going to rest. No, no, today is day of worship. And get up, get your clothes on, go to church. Amen. All of you folks that might be out there in, uh, in, in TV land, amen, go to church on Sunday. Praise the Lord. I mean, really, I mean, it's time now to get past this. You know, this this coronavirus thing and let's worship God and go to church because there's nothing like being put together in the house of God and God's people all worshiping together and glorifying the name of Jesus. That's the truth, folks. And so the Bible here teaches us that and it talks about it here in the book of Revelation. And uh, I'm going to so I want, I want to go move on a little further here to verse number six here. The apostles condemned observing the seventh day for any day. Now, if you don't remember anything else I give you tonight, don't forget these next scriptures I'm going to give you here. These next scriptures. I'm going to number six here. The apostles condemned observing. And uh, if you will look with me then in the scriptures that we're going to show you here, I want you to go to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 16. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Let no man judge you. Don't let anybody start telling you, oh, that's wrong. You're trying, you're not keeping the Sabbath. And don't let them say, oh, you're supposed to keep it. It's a holy day. It's the right the Lord demands and insists that we keep the Sabbath as a day of rest, and you're supposed to keep it. 
And uh, he said, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink. And this is something else, folks. Most people who start trying to maintain keeping the seventh day wind up eventually not eating certain meats. That's usually where that goes to. Because if you start following the law, one thing leads to another. And, and I know I, I know a couple that used to be in this church has been a while back, quite a ways back. Man, they have gone gone so far into this stuff until they're almost Jewish. Uh, somebody told me that before they even eat a meal, he sings a little song to his wife, you know, like he's courting her or something, you know. And uh, and they're not young people either. I mean, they're, these people are up in, I don't know what they are, what, 50, 60, 70, maybe it's 60 years old. I'm just trying to say here, they're, they're, they're trying to, you know, they following some rabbi out there that's telling them, oh, you've got to follow the law. You've got to keep the Sabbath. You can't eat certain meats and so forth. And, and he's talking about that as well here. So they sort of say you can't eat pork. You can't eat lobster. You can't eat shrimp. You can't eat, uh, you can't eat rabbit. If you, if you like to eat rabbit, you can't eat squirrels. You know, you can't hardly, you, you know, you can't eat uh, catfish. I mean, I can give you a whole bunch of things you can't eat, a lot of things, you know. And when you go to Israel, you know, they got, you know, they got the lamb and they got the beef and they got you know, things like that, you know, and so forth. And I'm glad we don't eat dog and, and horses and things like that, of course. But uh, a lot of these foods here, these foods that they do eat in other parts of the world. Amen. Some places they do eat dog, incidentally. My son and I were over in Malaysia. We went to a restaurant to eat. We were the taxi drivers taking us around. We were traveling to one spot to another, and we stopped on the side of the road and we went in, and uh, and we was going to order from the menu. And I was trying to figure out what what it really was, you know. And I said, "What's that stew over there that that man's eating at that other table over there?" I asked the waitress that in English. That's only the only language I knew, and she could speak English. She said, that's doji stew. Doji stew. How many of you know what doji stew is? Any of you know what doji is? He does, yeah. Doji is D-O-G. D-O-G is doji stew. D-O-G. Got it? <laughs> give you, I'm going to give you time to get D-O-G stew. Doji stew. I said, okay, I understand. I got the message. She had to say, I said, what kind of stew is that doji stew? She said, D-O-G stew. D-O-G Okay, I got it. I got it. So they do eat dog over there. It's like someone, that missionary. Missionaries went over there with their little feisty little puppy. And the wife just had to take him with him. You know, they weren't missionaries. They were executives that went over there to see the missionary field. And they left him with some people over there and said, when we come back through, we'll pick him up. You know, they, they didn't say that. We'll leave him. Can we leave him with you? Oh, he's fine. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. When it came back through, he wasn't, he was nowhere to be found. He said, Ngawa, he was good. <laughs> good evening, a little Fido. I'm telling you the truth. This is a truth. These are true things. Well, I'm off into that. I'm just trying to say here, there are some meats that we don't eat. But if you follow the laws here, there are certain meats that we do eat that you don't eat, like pork, you know, or catfish or uh, some of you may like lobster, and if you do with lobster, you can't eat. You can't eat, you know, a lot of things. I just, I won't go any further with that. But anyhow, that's where a lot of that trying to keep the Sabbath will lead you to, where you don't eat all kinds of food. Next thing you know, uh, 
you, you feel like, boy, America is really a long ways away from being righteous. And that's not it at all. Look at verse 17. It says, which are a shadow of things to come, but they're holy, but the body is of Christ. I'm going to read those two verses again. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let me have you also go, you're in Colossians there. Let me have you go to Romans 14, 5. 14, 5, the Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Romans 14, 5. And I'm going to read uh, 5 and 6. One man esteemeth one day above another. That's the ones that would say you've got to worship on the Sabbath or the seventh day. One man esteemeth one day above another, esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Whatever he wants to do is okay. If you want to worship on Saturday, it's okay. But don't condemn others who do worship on Saturday. That's what he's saying here. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he does not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. This is talking about the meat now. He that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. So here's another scripture here uh, concerning that particular same thought. Uh, one other scripture here that we'll read is found in Galatians, Galatians chapter 3 and 1, uh, Galatians 3 and 1, and right in here. All right. This is Paul writing to the Galatian church who were Gentiles, who had gotten saved, and God had filled them with the Holy Ghost. And some Jews came along and told them they had to go back and start keeping the law. And Paul found that out, and he was pretty upset about it because these Jews went there and tried to tell them, no, 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 that's not enough. You've got to start doing this, 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 and this. And they started laying out a bunch of things they had to start doing in order for them to be saved. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth crucified among you evidently means with evidence verse 2 this only would i learn of you received ye the spirit by the works of the law did you go back under the old testament to receive the spirit is that how you got the spirit of the of god the holy ghost inside of you talk to these galatians here is this how the holy ghost came to you by going back and trying to keep instructions under the law Receive you the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. And that's how they did receive it. Are you so foolish having begun? I'm going over to chapter 4 and verse 9. This is also in Galatians there. This is the next verse of scripture right there, 4, 9. And I'm going to read 4, 9 and 10. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements Whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage. Ye observe days. That's the Sabbath they're talking about, the seventh day. Ye observe days and months and times and years. And there he's talking about all the Jewish holidays and the feast days, you know, observing those days that they, the Jews required for them to observe. Amen. Praise God. So I'm just trying to tell you here that uh, this is what Paul, in writing to them, condemned. Now, 
I'm going to move very quickly here, and uh, I want you to go with me here to uh, number seven here. This is very interesting, number seven here. One of the big criticisms of Jesus by the Pharisees and Jewish leaders during his earthly ministry was his lack of keeping the Sabbath. They condemned Jesus for that. They found fault with him for not keeping the Sabbath like they thought he should keep it. And so I'm going to read some verses of scripture to you in that respect. And the reason that there's multiple scriptures is because there's so much evidence to show that how we're doing it in the New Testament in having the first day of the week as our day of worship and not having the Sabbath or keeping a Sabbath. And in a minute, I'm going to show you how we do keep the Sabbath. We do keep the Sabbath. I'm going to show you how we do that. But I want you to go to Mark chapter 2 and look at verse 38. And I'm going to read down through verse 28 here. It came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day. And his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. Now, let me say one thing here, folks. Under the law of the Old Testament, the Jews, and this is the Jews in Israel, if you were a farmer and you had a cornfield or you had wheat field or you had anything that's growing out there, anybody walking through your patch of field, if they were ripe, could pick them and eat what they wanted. They couldn't bundle it up, bag it up, and take it home. But anybody could just walking through could pick and eat. They could do that. So this is not what they were talking about. And it was on the Sabbath day and his disciples were hungry. So they began to pick the ears of corn, which was totally illegal and righteous under the law of Moses for Israel. They did that. They had a very good system like that. Nobody ever went hungry. And this is one of the reasons. Now, let me move on here. What was the fault was the Sabbath day. Came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? This is what their complaint was, that they were eating the corn on the seventh day. And he said unto them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was unhungered? He and they that were with him, how he went into the house of God on the days of Abathar the high priest and did eat the show bread which is not lawful to eat but for the priest and and he gave also to them which were with him did you not ever read that and God never struck them dead and he said unto them look at this closely the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath even in the Old Testament the Sabbath was was made for man not man for the Sabbath Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. So I'm just showing you here where that they tried to find fault here with Jesus as he was <clears throat> going through the cornfields and they were picking corn. Another place that I'm reading here, this is the same along the sign, same line of scriptures here, is uh, Matthew chapter 12. And I'm reading verse 9, chapter 12, verse 9 through 14. Everybody with me? And when he was departed thence, he went, in, uh, went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days 
that they might accuse him. Now, again, it was these religious leaders, either Sadducees or Pharisees or scribes or somebody of this nature who was always trying to find something that Jesus was doing that they could say that he should be condemned to death. And, of course, they came up with all kind of false witnesses ultimately. And so they asked him, is it lawful to heal this man on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him? Look at verse 11. He said unto them, what man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? And if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then, how much, much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then said he unto the man, stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like the other. In other words, Jesus, again, he healed on the Sabbath day. Verse 14. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him how they might destroy him. So I'm just trying to show you here that his breaking of what they call breaking the Sabbath day, according to their interpretation of breaking the Sabbath, was condemned. And uh, Jesus, of course, did it anyhow, and he kept on doing it. Let me give you another verse of Scripture. This is Luke 13.10. Luke 13.10. Let's see here. All right. Luke 13.10. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. We're still talking about the Sabbath here. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself on the Sabbath day. Now look at verse 12. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman... Thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Wow, what a wonderful thing. All of these things, folks, like the man and like the woman here. This should have been a time that everybody was rejoicing. Everybody was praising the Lord and lifting their hands up. And not looking over their glasses and saying, he's breaking the Sabbath. You know, that wasn't that at all. That's what they were trying to catch him on. And Jesus, he did it anyhow. Immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Verse 14, and the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because of Jesus that he on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work. And them, therefore, come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. You see that? The Lord then answered him and said, Thy hypocrite, dost thou not teach one of you in the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to watering? Every one of you would take your animals and take them where you can get water. And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound low these 18 years, be loosed? From this bond on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath day. So I'm just showing you here that they tried to pin Jesus down, and there are other scriptures as well. I just use a few of them there <clears throat> to show you here how that they try to use the Sabbath day. Now I'm going to go to number eight here, and that is the Ten Commandments. I mean, the, the New Testament really keeping the Sabbath is fulfilled in us when we receive the Holy Ghost. 
Everybody ready for this? This is how the Sabbath is fulfilled in us because the word Sabbath means rest. Remember that. Sabbath means rest. And that's the, uh, that's the meaning of it. I want you to go to an old familiar verse of scripture over here in Isaiah 9, 6. I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Isaiah 28, uh, 10. Isaiah 28, 10. Let's go to that one. I'm going to read 28. 10, 11, 12. I know I've got 11 and 12 up there on the screen, up on the on your notes here, but look at verse 10. For precept must be upon precept. This is uh, Isaiah now speaking. Precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Verse 11. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. Now, this is a prophecy of the coming of the Holy Ghost as it happened on the day of Pentecost and they begin to speak in other tongues. And the Lord says that this is what will happen. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. This is to Israel now. God's going to speak to them by speaking to them through tongues. If you read that second chapter in the book of Acts, when those people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they were speaking in languages they didn't know and people who were there that knew these languages understood they were speaking the language. They were Galileans and they were speaking the languages from all over the known world. They were talking in tongues. This, they were, they, I think I remember reading one time it was something like 11 different languages, different, 11 different countries they were speaking languages of. This is the second chapter of the book of Acts. And uh, this is what you and I are very familiar with when the outpouring of the Holy Ghost happened. And there were thousands of Jews that were watching these apostles pray and receive the Holy Ghost. And they began to rejoice and they were all speaking in tongues. And they were speaking to these people the wondrous, glorious things of the Lord. And that's what this is a prophecy of here. This is a prophecy about that. And also other times when they would receive the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues. And they would be speaking a language that these Jews could also understand. And they knew that it was God speaking through them to them. Now, I'm going to read that 11th and 12th verse again. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, This is the rest. Everybody say, This is the rest. This is the rest. In other words, this speaking in tongues, what is happening here, the infilling of the Holy Ghost is the rest. That I have promised that I will give. Praise the Lord. It's not a day of rest. It's going to be something I'm going to put inside of you. Hang on to your hats. I got more to give you. This is not the only verse we got. Verse 12. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they, Israel... Would not hear. This is a prophecy that they would reject it as a nation, not as not as individuals. Many Jews were saved, as you well know. That Jerusalem church at one time had five thousand, at least five thousand people saved in that church, and uh, of course they all had the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. And of course, it all bears all that out. Now I'm going to move on a little bit further here because I want to show you also this verse of scripture uh, in. Uh, over in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Matthew 11:28. 28. This is where Jesus is speaking. 
Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus promised that, did he not? This is during his earthly ministry. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, or Sabbath. I will give you Sabbath. I will give you rest. I will give you Sabbath. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm just pointing out to you here that Jesus promised that he would give them that rest so that whenever the baptism of the Holy Ghost began to pour out, folks, that was the rest that God would give. Now, I remember when I received the Holy Ghost, I was 16 years old. And uh, I had... uh, I was starting to get out in the world some, and I was starting to sort of follow some couple of uncles I had that were just a few years older than me, and I was starting to hang out with them, and they were starting to go some places like, they weren't real bad places, just dance halls and things like that, you know. And I was starting to, for the first time in my life, you know, maybe go to the dance hall. I remember uh, going to a, a dance hall in Tampa, uh, big square dance place thing on a new year on 1951 turning to 1952 uh, on a New Year's night, New Year's Eve night. And just hundreds of people there. And they all dance square dance, all square dance stuff. And we're all sitting around the table there. People coming around, visiting from table to table, talking, 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 everything like that. And I remember the midnight hour come and they said, it's midnight. Everybody started shouting and blowing little horns and tooting their horns. And all of that, and there was this one girl that was with a military boy, and he was he was skunk drunk. He had gotten just so drunk, he, he was throwing he had thrown up, and he was sick as a horse. And and she said, "Be happy, be happy." He threw his arm up, and he was miserable as he could be. And folks, I sat there in that chair at that moment, and I looked around me, and I looked at all this stuff going on. And a little voice inside of me says, this is not you. This is not where you belong. This is not for you. I I, I knew it inside of me. Now, I know some of you understand what I'm talking about. You've been there. But I said, no, no, this is not me. I wasn't drinking because I was was playing football in high school. And I and I didn't want to, you know, didn't want to diminish anything about my ability to play. So I, I wouldn't t- drink beer, nothing. I wouldn't drink anything, just water or maybe iced tea, and all that kind of stuff. But I was getting in that environment, and just a few, uh, maybe a few months later, I was up in the Panhandle in Niceville, Florida, and I went to that little Pentecostal church. Now I'm telling you that because when I finally gave up, they kept calling that altar come down to that altar and I kept I had a little keychain on my finger and I'd whirl it around and around a little old football on I'd whirl it around and around I was fighting it boy I felt so much conviction finally I stuck the keychain and I went to the altar and when I finally prayed through that night and received the Holy Ghost folks and I was standing on my feet jumping up and down and shouting and praising the Lord I was so happy and I never felt so much peace in all of my life the peace came over me. All of that old stuff out there was all gone. All gone. And I felt peace. Praise the Lord. 
And I'm going to say this to all of us here today. And I'm going to give you another scripture in a moment. But the peace of God is promised to his people. And it comes in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you have the Holy Ghost, we can have that peace. But in our walk from, with God from time to time to time, we can allow the peace that comes with it to slip through our fingers or slip away. We get caught up with all kinds of stuff going on out here. You know, we, the cares of life and the busy, busy, busy and all this kind of stuff. And we forget that God can give us peace. I came to church one time. I remember years ago I went to church. And I was so heavy with all kinds of problems. And I was just so loaded down. And I remember that I walked down to the altar and they gave the altar call to come down the front. I walked down to the altar. And I was, remember saying, Lord, I want you to give me that peace that you have given me so many times when I didn't hardly know which way was up or down. And I lifted my hand and I began to worship the Lord. And folks, that peace came all over me. It just flooded me. I didn't dance in the spirit. I didn't jump up and down. It just swamped me. It was like, oh, I mean, it was like a, it was like a, it was like a, I don't know how to describe it. It was just a peace, a feeling just came all over me. And this is after I'm saved. And we experience that sometimes. And in your walk with God, there's times that we have got to have a re-blessing, a new blessing of peace. Because peace comes with the Holy Ghost. Comes with the Holy Ghost. And you can have that peace and walk in that peace all the time. That's what the Sabbath is to us. It is something that stays with us, is inside of us. But we can let it dwindle out until you can say, Lord, I want your peace. Give me your peace, God. Give me your peace. It could be trouble in the home. It can be trouble in the family. It can be the kids. It can be finances. It can be who knows. Somebody threatening your job. Uh, you know, you're going to lose your house, your car, you know, all kind of things. I've, in fact, I've probably been through every bit of that. Everything I'm talking about, I've been there. And everything. I'm just trying to tell you God can give you peace in all of it. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to give you another passage of scripture here. And... Uh, I want you to look with me here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. If you don't remember anything else, remember what I'm giving you right now. Hebrews 4 and 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest or his Sabbath. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, as speaking of the Jews. But the word preached did not profit them, the Jews, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest or Sabbath. You get the picture here? When you receive that spirit, you enter into that Sabbath. As I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. This is all getting back now to what the seventh day thing. And that what a lot of people that talk about the Sabbath talks about. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest or my Sabbath. 
Seeing, therefore, it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. That's the Jews. They didn't get it. Now look at verse 9. There remaineth, therefore, a rest or a Sabbath to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works. That is, your own works of trying to keep the law and do this, do this, do this, do this. Trying to keep the law that you might be saved. The Lord is trying to say we're saved by faith and not by our works and by the works of the law. As God did from his. Let us labor, verse 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall under the same example of unbelief. Now, I'm just trying to tell you here today that this rest, praise the Lord, we have in the Holy Ghost and we all received it in the Holy Ghost, but we can lose it sometime. It can slip through our fingers. And that's where we have to go back. Amen. Back to Calvary. Got to go back to the cross. That's why that's why saved people come to the altar to pray. Amen. It's not we, we've got to pray through all over again. It's that sometimes we just need something from the Lord. We need a word from the Lord. We need strength. We need to receive that rest again. And thank God for the rest, folks. And I'm telling you, it's the most wonderful thing in the world. And the world doesn't have it. The world doesn't have it. You can be as rich, be one of the richest men in the world, and be as miserable as, as, as they can come. I'm serious. But when you've got the Holy Ghost inside of you and you're walking with God and you're keeping his commandments and you're serving the commandments, I'm speaking of the New Testament here. <clears throat> you're walking with the Lord, walking in holiness and righteousness. I want you to know that God will keep his hand upon you and give you that beautiful and wonderful rest. Now, one little thing I'm going to throw in here. It's not in your notes. But this is interesting to me. To somebody who would say, oh, I believe you got to keep the seventh day. Uh, I go back to the very first verse that we read to you here in Exodus chapter 20. And uh, let me read 31.12. 31.12. The Lord said unto Moses, speak thou unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily, my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. This is between them. Now look at verse. This is what it says in 12 and 14. It says between me and you. It's between you and, and, and the children of Israel. Now look at verse 14. Ye shall keep the Sabbath. Therefore it is holy unto you. Everyone that defileth it. Shall surely be put to death. Oh my goodness. For whosoever doth any work therein. That soul shall be cut off. From among his people. Look at verse 16, 15. Six days may uh, work be done, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest. Holy to the Lord. Whosoever doeth any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. So I would ask anybody who insists that you have to worship on the seventh day, I'll say, if you don't do it, does that mean I'm to be stoned to death? I mean, I got to be put to death if I don't? Because they're going back under the law. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're going to take, if you're going to take 12 and 13, you got to take 14 and 15 with it. And verse 16, it, it clarifies: Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath. This is six, this is uh, 31:16. 
Wherefore, the children of Israel should keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout all their generation for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. Now, you understand what I'm saying here. So if you're saying, oh, well, you've got to keep the Sabbath. Okay, you're going to keep also the stoning to death or they got to be killed if they don't. That means that you and all, all of us worshiping on Sunday, you know, who's going to be? I'm not even going to go there. There's no answer to it. Praise the Lord. But I'm just telling you that God would have us to understand the Sabbath is in the spirit of God. And if you've got the Sabbath, praise the Lord, you've got that rest inside of your heart and soul. It's a wonderful thing to have. Aren't you glad you have the Holy Ghost tonight? Praise the Lord. If you don't have it, folks, don't stop until you get it. Ask the Lord to give it to you. He wants to give it to you. He wants everybody to have it. Let's just stand together and praise the Lord. You've been a wonderful audience tonight. God love you. Praise the Lord. Let's thank him here for his goodness and blessings. Jesus, we love you so much, Lord. Thank you for your people. Thank you for those, God, that love you and love your word and love your name. Thank you for the word of God that you have given us all, Lord, that we might walk with you in spirit and in truth. Thank you for the Holy Ghost, which is your rest in the New Testament. Lord, thank you for the, the real feeling of rest that we can have inside of us, Lord, by walking with you. Thank you for coming to our rescue and our needs so many times in life. All the problems we may be faced with, Lord, you're always there for us. We love you so much, God, and we thank you, Jesus, for your many blessings upon us. Be with us in all things, and we glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord.